0: The Prophet Isaiah by Mark Chagall, 1968 Surely God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord Himself, is my strength and my defense, He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done, and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things, let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. New International Version The large Old Testament book of Isaiah is thick with the message of judgment for both Israel and the surrounding nations. The sins of ancient Israel, 700 years before the birth of Christ, were many. The primary offenses were injustice toward the needy, the haves taking advantage of the have-nots, and empty worship rituals toward God. Social and spiritual corruption was rampant. God pleaded with the people through the prophets to stop doing wrong and start doing right by encouraging the oppressed and defending the powerless. Isaiah 1:10 to 17. Although God's judgment was imminent via the powerful Assyrian empire, God would not annihilate the people. God promised a righteous branch would grow from the seemingly dead stump of Israel. A child will be born, a Messiah given. There will be hope in Israel. Heartfelt praise and proclamation of God's great name will again fill the air. For me What is so remarkable about all this is the grace of God. The Lord made promises to Israel not based upon what they would or would not do, God made promises to the people by God's own radically free love. This wasn't a matter of playing let's make a deal with God saying, if you get your act together, then I will be good to you. No, before Israel even had a chance to return to the Lord, God was already choosing to be merciful. I am absolutely convinced with the firmest conviction possible that the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are all about God and God's own unbounded, unfettered, free, crazy, illogical, and wildly wonderful grace. Because God is love, the Lord constantly goes out of the way to be gracious so that we will be together and enjoy our divine-slash-human relationship. If we miss the message of God's grace in the Holy Scriptures, we have missed salvation, because only grace can save us. Without grace, we are lost. Today's Old Testament lesson is full of praise because it's a response to the undeserved grace which God freely gives. Any Christian preacher worth their salt is a preacher of grace. Grace is the very thing that is distinctive about Christianity. Grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is recklessly generous. Grace does not use carrot sticks, scorecards, or power politics. Grace never demands, it only gives. Greater than grace is unconditional acceptance given to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. That is what God did for Israel. And for us. And when we get a hold of this truth, even a little bit, our hearts become bubblers of praise. The prophecy of Isaiah is an adventure of God's reckless love toward unlovable people, which is why it is one of the most quoted books of the Old Testament by Jesus. Jesus came because of grace. Jesus came to release us from our obsessive need to be right, our compulsion to be rewarded, and our demands to be respected. Because Jesus came to set sinful captives free, life does not have to be a joyless effort to justify and validate ourselves before others. The grace of God in Christ is a game-changer. And with but a glimpse of it, we are forever undone by its mercy. Grace causes us to praise God. There was once a pastor who had a three-year-old daughter who was going around the house singing the chorus We Exalt Thee except that she kept mispronouncing one of the words, I exhaust Thee, I exhaust Thee, I exhaust Thee, O Lord. Perhaps she was right. Maybe too many folks are exhausting God with folded arms instead of hands raised in praise and worship. Grace causes U.S. to trust God. Grace alleviates our fears. For, if God is for us, who can be against us? God takes care of us despite our weaknesses and failures. Grace causes U.S. to have joy in God. With joy we draw water from the wells of salvation. Jesus is the living water we can continually draw from and drink. Grace keeps giving without an end in sight. We get to keep coming to God with an inexhaustible supply of fresh grace. Grace causes you as to give thanks to God in prayer. Gratitude to God ought to characterize our corporate gatherings. Expressing thanks is more than for the individual in their prayer closet, it is to be offered in the gathered assembly of believers. Grace eliminates self-consciousness altogether because there is nothing to be self-conscious about with God the Lord has seen you at your worst, and still loves you. What's more, we need not be self-conscious about appearing ignorant, looking silly, or not having all the answers in making known among the nations what God has done. If we are influenced by grace, then we can freely speak of God to all kinds of people we encounter. Greater than God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. Greater than. Greater than George Whitefield, 1714-1770. Grace causes you as to sing together to God. When grace takes hold of a congregation, there is no mumbling of songs, there are loud shouts and singing for joy because God is good. God wants some noisy worship. Grace brings such gladness that we don't care how we appear to other people, we are going to shout, sing, and express our joy. Yes, there is an important place for contemplative, reverent, and reflective worship. And there is also a place for letting go, becoming unhinged, and dancing before Jesus. The world mostly ignores God. Even some Christians take God's grace for granted. Israel's greatest sin was assuming everything was fine. But it wasn't. There was no grace. And with no grace there is no God. Eventually, Israel found joy in the most unlikely of places, in exile. God's grace would transform a terrible time of trouble into raising of voices in song. Isaiah's prophecy is about returning to the Lord. The season of Advent is all about God's relentless pursuit of wayward people, the anticipation of grace coming in the form of an infant, and the bringing of grace to a people living in darkness. Let us, then, return to the Lord. Let us be captivated by grace. Let us renew our love for Jesus. Let us lose ourselves in praise and adoration of the One who gave everything for us. Let us worship Christ the King. Let us proclaim the name of Jesus as exalted over everything. Great God of grace, be merciful to us as we limp to You with all of our wounds and brokenness. We have made such a mess of our lives with our bad attitudes, ugly words, selfish actions, and our ignoring of you through it all. So, we come to you with nothing but ourselves and all of our sin. Forgive us, cleanse us, renew us, revive us, refresh us, and reform us according to the ways of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your undeserved grace. We give you praise for the lengths you went to secure our forgiveness. With a joy too deep for words, we humbly offer to you our lives so that the name of Jesus will be exalted in us individually and corporately. Amen.